The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. When you talk with people, do you tend to talk at them or do you talk to them? There is a widespread epidemic. There, there's a, a syndrome, a sickness, a virus that is seeping and sweeping our nation and our globe. And, and it's affected our, our neighborhoods. It's affected our schools. It's affected our homes and affected our own hearts. And uh, the scary part about this syndrome, this sickness, is that many of the carriers don't even know that they are symptomatic. The syndrome is called the OMIF syndrome, and it's primarily found in the male population, but there has been studies to show that it's also been seen in a few women as well. OMIF syndrome is short for open mouth insert foot syndrome. And I get it, you're probably joining me from Chambersburg right now, and you're saying, Jay, I'm not sick with that syndrome. I would have to beg the differ. Maybe if we asked the person you had a conversation with, they could attest to the fact that you and I both are probably very much so symptomatic. But all jokes aside, talking is really easy. You just put a bunch of words together, and then you open your mouth, and then you speak. Communicating, on the other hand, that's a lot of hard work. Now, for me, I get the privilege to talk to a lot of couples here within LifeHouse that want to take their relationship to the next step. They, they want to get married. And so before we get down to the logistics and talk about the wedding day and the wedding planning, I tend to have a communication conversation with them. And so I want to give you a sneak peek of what that conversation looks like. And so I'll bring the couple in to, to meet with me. And, and so I'll try to paint them a picture because I want to assess their communication skills between one another. It's like, all right, on a perfectly good day, I want you to give me some percentages. Zero percent is non-existent. 100% is fully accurate. And so on a, on a scale between 0% to 100%, how accurate are you in saying everything that you mean to say? And this is what I mean. It means that you're not suffering with OMIF syndrome, meaning everything I say that comes out of my mouth is what I meant to say. And so the ladies tend to shine in this category in my experience, and they'll say anything between 80 to 85%. And that's pretty high accuracy. And then I'll switch over to the next question. All right, on a perfectly good day between 0% to 100%, how accurate are you in hearing everything that has been spoken to you? Let me explain. You're not adding commentary in what they're communicating. You're, you're not saying, did you see how they looked at me? This is what they really meant to say. I know how to read between the lines. I'm not saying that everything that was spoken is everything that I heard. And so this is where our fellas tend to shine the, the highest. And so they'll say anywhere between 80 to 85% accuracy. And all of a sudden you start seeing some light bulbs turn on because they're starting to see there seems to be a discrepancy. And so I said, okay, so you're saying with accuracy, 85% of what you mean to say to this person, but yet this person is only hearing 85% of the 85% that you're speaking. 
That means not accurately saying what you mean to say and not accurately hearing what is being spoken. You're down to about 20%. And no wonder communication is hard. I mean, our country will literally invest billions and billions of dollars to better communication, but yet, Every year, it also loses billions of dollars because of poor communication. Why is that? It's because healthy communication is hard work. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. And typically, where where conversations tend to go south and sour is not when we say the wrong things. As a matter of fact, actually, it, it, it takes a detour because of our delivery. Sometimes we say the right things, we just say it in the wrong tone. We say it at the wrong time. You know, if you say the right things at the wrong time or the wrong tone, the right things become the wrong things right away. And it's confusing because there's some conversations, communication that you find yourself in where it's almost like it's better for you to just keep your mouth quiet. And then there's other conversations where it seems to be more damaging if I say nothing at all. And the question that plagues all of us is how damaging can a few simple words really be? And I mean that facetiously because because there, there have been wars that's been waged between family members, and you guys know it, in, in, in dining room tables because of a few simple words between in-laws, and all of a sudden you've got World War 15 in your dining room table. Or, or, or there, there's been wars that's been waged in our own minds because of just a few simple words, or wars waged between businesses because of a few simple words. 140 characters on a post on social media, or on a billboard and you've got wars between businesses. There's been literal physical wars between streets and cities and countries because of a few simple words. And the question I have for us this weekend is there, is there a better way of communicating? Is there a better way of talking between one another? And so I, I wanna take us back to a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Uh, as a matter of fact, Pastor Patrick referenced this passage of scripture in the previous sermon. And before I go into the, the passage of scripture, let me, let me give you some, some background uh, on, on the people of Corinth because they, they were kind of a, kind of a mess. They were, they were on a, a one-way track to the hot mess express. And, and from the outside looking in, it would be very easy for us to think, God, how in the world are you going to bless such a messy group of people? Because they had been riddled with division. They had been competitive and, and judgmental agree, uh, disagreements between them. And, and, and Paul is saying, there is a better way, guys, of communicating between one another. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, this is what it reads. It says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. That it's not just better, it's actually excellent. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul is saying, look, if you can communicate and men with different languages can understand you, if you can communicate and angels can understand you, if you can communicate and you don't understand you, but God can understand you. But he says, if you can do all that, but you don't have love, 
man, you might as well tell the drummer to get back on the stage and start hitting those cymbals because that's all the people are hearing. When you open your mouth, what are people hearing? Are they, are they hearing the clanging cymbals or are we allowing love to speak louder than the noise? And similarly, there, there was another letter that he penned to the church of Ephesus about this whole theme of using the language of love. You see, the Ephesians were, were in this culture where they had distorted love. And so whenever you distort love, there's going to be some... <laughs> There's going to be some distortion in the language that you use because they had focused on this erotic love. It was a selfish, self-filling kind of love. It exploited other people for their own gains and wants, and it started to be infused in within the church. And so Paul was trying to talk to them about their language, and this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And watch this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now the word unwholesome is similar to a word that was used in Greek, uh, which means rotten. And, and that word rotten is used in, in many of Paul's documents. And he gives us a picture of, of the word rotten. It, it kind of paints the picture of, of putrid fish. If, if fish has been laid out in the fish market and the sun has been beaming down on it, all of a sudden it begins to spoil and it produces a smell, a, a, an aroma that, that's just horrible to to want to serve it to other people. That's the kind of picture of rottenness. It's the, the picture of the, the fruit that had spoiled and all of a sudden maggots are starting to eat at the fruit. Or, or maybe if you've gone on a, a hike before and you've seen a tree toppled over because the, the root had dry rotted and it had decayed and the tree had died or laying down some faulty foundation because the, the stones were broken. When we look at our communication, what are people smelling? Does it smell like rotten fish? The words that come out of our mouth, does it remind people of maggot-filled fruit? Or, or are we laying people out because of the fact that all we're speaking towards them is just rotten and decayed words? Or, or perhaps people are shaky every time that they come around us because when we begin to speak, we're laying down faulty foundation. Paul is saying we need to get rid of these kinds of words from our mouths. And maybe you're asking yourself, then how in the world can God bless the mess that my mouth has created? There's a passage, there's a principle in this passage of scripture that I want to pull out for us for just a few moments this weekend. That here's what I believe. I believe that once we apply it, it'll bless our work environments. I believe that it's going to bless our marriages. I believe it's going to be a blessing in our city. And here is the principle that comes out of this passage of scripture. And it's this, that we must build others up. We have to build others up. Can, can you imagine going into work and the, the environment around your cubicle 
All you hear is just words of kindness. Y'all, it would be a blessing to go into a work environment like that. Can you imagine going into school and in the classroom, there is nothing but compassion. In the hallways, there's nothing but compassion. Imagine being a student in that kind of environment. Imagine being a teacher. Imagine being an administrator in that kind of environment. It would be a blessing to be there. Imagine at the dining room table, everybody's just passing, passing to each other forgiveness, and you're forgiven, and you're forgiven, and you're forgiven. It would be a blessing to be at that dining room table. But unfortunately, it's impossible for us to build others up. It's because you and I, were broken. It's impossible to rid ourselves of that rottenness. Paul's saying, don't let it come out of your mouth. It's impossible because it's like looking at a fruit that had spoiled and all of a sudden there's maggots now eating it. It's like saying, how do I make this fruit edible again and make it fresh again? Looking at the toppled over tree because the dry, dry rotted root and saying, how do I make this thing stand again? It's impossible. How, how do I make these broken stones whole again and solid again so, so people can stand firm on it? The reality is we are far more rotten than we realize because the root of our rottenness goes far deeper than our words. It goes down to the core of who we are. And it sits at our spirit. And because our spirit's at the center of everything that we do, our, our words are rotten, our mindsets are rotten, and all of a sudden, our relationships start to decay. All of a sudden, our workplaces start to decay. Our neighborhoods are decaying because of the rottenness that is within us. All of that is due to what the Bible calls sin. You see, sin is any action, any thought, or any intention that goes contrary to who God is. And this sin is what causes us to be rotten. It, it removes us from right relationship with God, and it causes us to decay. And it leads us down to death, separating us from God and all things good forever, heading down a path of forever death but God. God loved us so much that he saw us broken down that he wanted to build us up and bring us in right relationship with him. And so he sends his one and only son, Jesus, to rescue us from the rot, to rescue us from the grips of sin in our life. And so Jesus came with the express purpose to die in order to defeat death. And so when Jesus came into this earth through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, all of a sudden, the, the, the bitterness was, was removed from us. The rottenness was removed from us. And what's replaced us is the Spirit of God. And through faith in Jesus, we're now forgiven by God and granted a new and everlasting life. How does this work? God's Spirit enters into our spirit and the spirit that causes us to be rotted, it moves out and the spirit of God builds us up in order for us to build others up. So how, how do we do that this weekend? I, I wanna give us some complimentary thoughts. The first is this, to build others up, we need a change of words. We need a change of words. I wanna go back here to this passage of scripture. It says here in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Our conversations will do one of two things. 
You may get into a conversation after church today. You may get into a conversation sometime this week, but whatever conversation you get into, it's gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna build someone up or it's gonna tear someone down. You know, one of the most powerful weapons that you and I possess no, it's not the weapons that you're thinking about. It's not the ones that you got at home that you got hidden. No, it's not the thing that you use for self-defense. It's our words. You see, our words can either be used for good or for evil, but regardless of what we use them for, we use a lot of them. Maybe you're saying right now, Jay, I'm, I'm more of the quiet type. I'm more of the, the one-word texter kind of guy, so I, I, I don't really talk that much. Even if you consider yourself the one that doesn't talk that much, can I just tell you, you do actually use more words than you realize. As a matter of fact, on average, we all will average using about 16,000 words a day. Now that's a lot. And just to give you a bigger picture of what that looks like is, Maybe you're, you're, you're a reader, and so you, you set some goals every year of how many books you wanna read per year. Did you know that if you spoke and you used 16,000 words a day for an entire year, it would make up roughly 100 books that are about 250 pages each? That's a lot of books. Now, look back at your life from when you started talking. Some of you are realizing right now, it's like, oh man, I've got a library, a collection of novels and series of books that have spoken over people's lives. And, and maybe some of you, like, like me, maybe there's areas in your library that's kind of like the, the horror section because there's a lot of decay, there's a lot of rotting, there's a lot of death there. And then there's some, hopefully some encouragement, some inspirational, some, some things that, that's about love and romance, you know, women uh, tend to use about 20,000 words per day and guys tend to use about 7,000 words per day. What Paul is saying is this, regardless of whether you use 20,000, 7,000, or 6,000 words a day, I want your words to build others up. Now, when, when we look at building others up, one of the most essential life skills for us is, is not just in what we say, but being mindful of how we say it, right? The, the, the problem at times is not just in what we're delivering, but it's in our delivery method. Many of us, if we approach a communication, if we approach conversation, we want to serve up a three-course meal, don't we? But oftentimes, we want to serve up a three-course meal, and we use a trash can lid as the platter. People can't get past the words that I mean to say because they can't overlook the fact that there is a mess in front of them. And unfortunately, at times, our highest priority is not the benefit of the listener. It's to benefit us. And Paul is saying, when you communicate, I want it to benefit them. Because oftentimes when, when we approach a conversation and it's, I just want to be heard. I've got an opinion. I've got something to say. I've got an idea. And it's going to benefit me. If we approach a conversation where we are approaching it to benefit us, chances are the other person's going to get torn down. And, and oftentimes, we will weaponize our words because we refuse to remove the toxic words from out of us first. 
Let me explain. Sometimes we're, we're holding on to, to the words of hurt, so all of a sudden that becomes the building blocks, so we're starting to put down words of anger. All of a sudden we're carrying shame, and so we're starting to put down words of guilt. We're, we're starting to put down words of insecurity, words of discontent, words of jealousy, words of envy. Paul's saying, I want you to use your words as building materials. So many of you probably know how to build some things, and so you're not going to go to Lowe's. If I told you, hey, we're, we're going to go and uh, build a play set for one of the schools that we've adopted as a church, you're not going to go to Lowe's and say, hey, I want the most dry rotted piece of wood that you got right here because I've got a play set to build for the kids. You're probably not going to do that. You're going you're gonna to try to get the best material. God has given you materials every single day, about 16,000 of them. Think about it, 16,000 building materials every single day. And you could either contribute to the purposes of God by building others up or you can hand in some rotten fruit. You can hand in some, some, some cracked stones. You, you can hand in some decayed, dry rotted tree roots. You can, you can hand in those. Paul is saying, I want your words to be like worship because I, 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 want, it, I want it to be directed towards God's purpose. You know, when, when, you, when you come to a weekend experience where you join us online, we'll put words on the screen during, during the time where our team leads us in song. And, and those words are lyrics. And when you begin to read those words, those lyrics, that becomes the vocabulary for your worship to God. Can I just tell you that your worship with your words to God doesn't stop when the music ends. It actually continues in my conversations in the lobby, in the hallway, in the workplace, in the cubicle. Because the words that I use to speak over others, that is my worship to God. When I'm speaking life over others, that's my worship to God. And so I'm not saying that all 16,000 words has to have the word Jesus in it. All right, don't get mad that I said that. But I'm saying, Paul is saying, I want to... To, for you to use your words to build others up as necessary, as needed, all right? That, that means that depending on the project, that's going to determine my materials. If I'm building a metal frame, I'm not building with wood. So it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. It depends on what's needed at the moment. And so maybe what's needed is a word of encouragement, can I just tell you, maybe you're a boss right now, or, or, or maybe you've got employees under you, you've, you've, got, you've got students under you, you just got friends. I'm speaking to everyone, really. Words of encouragement, appreciation will go a long way. I know that the building materials right now at Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever kind of home improvement store, it's high, it's expensive inflation, right? Everybody's in the same boat. Can I just tell you, in God's building economy, inflation is reversed, where it won't cost you but two minutes just to say thank you. I appreciate you. What you do for this company and this organization, there are no words. You are a valuable, you're a valuable employee here. For you, it was inexpensive to encourage, but for them, there is so much value, and it benefits them, and it builds them up. I pray that every single person that communicates with you and I, 
they, they feel a lot stronger. They feel a lot taller. They, they, they feel like, man, I got out of a conversation with them and I feel like I'm standing on something that is firm because they've been built up. Maybe it's a word of correction that you need to build others up because sometimes in order for, for people to be built up, you gotta, you gotta tell them, hey, I'm, I'm gonna remove that dry rotted thing that you've been stepping on and we're gonna replace it with some new words for you. My... My challenge is the next time you open your mouth and have a conversation, I want you to pause first and I want you to ask yourself, what words do I need to speak to build that person up? What's, what's to their benefit, not mine? What do I need to say to lift them up? Like a construction site, it looks like a lot of mess, but with the right plan, come on, we got a good plan, with the right workers, you and I, with the right material, it can turn a mess into a masterpiece. We just have to start building. So we have to build others up by having a change of words. Lastly is this. To build others up, we need a change of heart. We need a change of heart. Going back here, this passage of scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. Did you know what you harbor in your heart can hinder the work of God in your life? What baggage you refuse to get rid of will cause you to not build others up. And Paul is saying, I want you to rid yourself of that. I want you to rid yourself of that baggage so that you can start being built up. But how, right? Because look, when, when we don't rid ourselves of that baggage, it's literally hindering the spirit of God. We're grieving the spirit of God. And when we grieve the spirit of God, we in essence become broken and everything around us remains broken. And he's saying, I, I want you to rid those things and be replaced of something different. I want you to be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. And you may be saying, Jay, how in the world can I possibly do that? If you knew what they said about me, you'd be bitter too. If you saw what they did when they thought my back was turned, you would be angry. You, you would have all forms of malice in your heart too. If you saw the post that they said about me, you would slander them back as well, Jay. And Paul is saying, I want you to be kind. I want you to be compassionate. I want you to be forgiving. And he gives you the answer. He says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Our change of heart is not determined by someone else's change of attitude towards us. It's not determined by someone else's change of heart, change of words, change of actions towards us. You would literally hinder yourselves from receiving the very blessings of God if you're waiting for someone to say sorry for you to offer forgiveness. If you're saying, once they stop being bitter, Jay, then I'll be kinder. Once, once they stop slandering my name, I'll show compassion. Once they come back to me and say, you were right, Jay, then I'll offer forgiveness. No, our change of heart doesn't come from what someone does or doesn't do to us, but rather what God has done for us. He's forgiven us. He's forgiven us and he's blessed us with his kindness. He's blessed us with his compassion. He's blessed us with his forgiveness so that we can build others up. And so the next time someone is bitter towards you, 
I want that to be a, an alarm clock that sounds in our spirit that reminds us, God, you have been so compassionate towards me and allow that blessing of compassion to be what you use to build them up. When, 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 when they're slandering your name, when they're spreading gossip about you, when they're, when, they're, when they're angry towards you, let that be an alarm clock in our spirit to say, God, you have been so kind to me. You've been so good to me. And, and you know what? You've blessed me with your kindness so that I can build with kindness. You've changed my heart so that I can build with your kindness. And when, when there's people around you that have refused to say, I'm sorry, and they want forgiveness, they need forgiveness from you, be reminded just how much you have been forgiven by God. You've been blessed with his forgiveness so that you can build with forgiveness. Maybe you're here this weekend and perhaps you feel like you're all out of material. Jay, I can't build anything because I feel like I'm broke. I feel like I can't even afford any of this material I'm supposed to be building with. And you found yourself just building on rot, building with decayed things, building with broken things. Can I just tell you, God wants to build you up. And that only comes through faith in Jesus. More than a changed heart, he wants to change your life. And it comes by placing our faith in his son and making him the Lord and savior of our life. And if you've never made him that, would you do that today? Would that be your response? Would you say, I'm walking away from the thing that causes me to remain rotten and I wanna be made in right relationship with God through faith in his one and only son, Jesus. And if that's you today, would you let us know? Would you text the name Jesus to 81411? If you've already made that decision to follow Jesus, maybe ask yourself this, what are the baggages right now that I'm holding on to that is hindering me from building others up? What is the things right now that God wants to remove from my heart and he wants to change my heart because he wants me to, to be blessed with his compassion, blessed with his kindness, blessed with his forgiveness so I can begin to build with that? What are the change of words that I need to have to, to, to begin to speak life, to begin to speak hope, to begin to infuse faith in my family, in my, in my friends, in my neighborhood, my classmates, those around me. Would you take a moment? I wanna pray for us right now. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for, for, for the change of heart that we receive through faith in Jesus. Thank you that, that God, you, you've blessed us with kindness. You've blessed us with compassion. You've blessed us with forgiveness. Not so we can hoard this blessing, but rather we could build others up with it. I pray, God, that you would, you would change up our words, God. May, may it be words that are not rotten, but words that build. May it be words that benefit. May it be words that, that speak hope, future, peace, love. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.